It's just weird to me that like nothing is more than any other president has ever done, but the way the Democrats went about it just makes it feel like garbage. Like mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders saying, here's here's an almost seven trillion dollar thing that'll fix everything. Yay! And three, three point five, we're at we're gonna get this. No, one point seven five. No, well, we got something. <laughs> and it was like mm -hmm. the rescue plan helped a lot of people do a lot of things and mm -hmm. build back better was gonna institutionalize some of that stuff. He didn't get it all done, but he got a lot more done than Donald, Donald Trump did. You know what I mean? It's time now for something positive. We might be headed to the promised land the of promised speaking land, the truth the land. and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. Problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. Of conscience. Because conscience. that is how it works. This is the beginning, it is not the finale, and that's why we're here, and that's why we rally, 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 rally. We've got to be that creative minority. Creative minority. Creative minority. Find a way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. <laughs> Welcome to Public Access America. My name is Jeffrey. His name is Jason. Wait, my name is Jason. Your name is Jeffrey. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <clears throat> I've become someone else. It has been a long week, Jeffrey, but we've had some amazing stuff going on at Public Access America. But I've talked to a lot of people and I realized in the pre-recording, I am really tired of my voice. <laughs> <laughs> We had a we had a great episode with uh, autonomous angel from Twitter, uh, Luna, and I asked Adam to sit in, and it was just about homelessness, domestic violence, isolation, and relationships, and the pandemic, and what to do and what not to do in an argument. And uh, Luna ended up going to jail over the whole situation, and that's the episode right now on Public Access America. But it had a real effect on Adam, and so that and then inspirations beyond disabilities we had a uk thing across the pond we had a claire on to talk about body image and stuff and then we nice. live we live streamed with um little kevin and mono from hawaii and they're two blind musicians and it's just been like this whirlwind of just awesome content and conversations going on and i am so happy because I'm done after you, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of people that are listening and, and they're, they're like, what's going on with Jeffrey? You know, tell us more about Jeffrey. <laughs> well, I mean, like there's, I mean, we've covered a lot in all of our episodes of public access America, things that I, I do things are where I've been, what I've done, Yeah, you know, it's, there's, there's definitely been uh, a lot to cover. You know, right. so I don't know, like in terms of current, in terms of ever, I mean, well, I think the thing is, and don't, don't get upset about this. Cause this is what I cherish about this. I get you once a week and it's cool, but I'm all over the place all week. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? And I think there's some podcasters like, 
when can we have Jeffrey on? And I protect your privacy and my time with you. Cause I know if everybody gets you, then suddenly I don't get you as often. So I'm kind of being <laughs> selfish, but there's other podcasts that are like, can we get Jeffrey on? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'll ask him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're loved around the world. You know what I mean? And that's what's that's, so cool. Well, that's fantastic. You know, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I haven't exactly made it my life's goal to strive to be loved, but, right. uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I do things from a position of love and whether or not you love me, it's on you. Um, <laughs> well, I, mean, I love you. I mean, I've, I've personally been, a you know, from most people have seen me as a very polar person and they either love me or they hate me. And that's just the way it has been. And I, mm. you know, it is what it is, you know, I, can't necessarily help a person's perception of me. I just am who I am and, and I try to be the best to everybody. I, I can't necessarily say that I'm successful at it, but I think that's, what's important is, you know, people are always worried about how other people perceive them, but really, if you want to change the world, you change yourself and that's how the world gets changed. And we're, we're doing that. And, but, but strive and striving for the the message of importance here is that you should work on yourself, trust your own perspectives. And if you don't, that's something you need to work on yourself and not mm -hmm. bring somebody in to validate, you know, you. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and, and it's not that I'm, you know, perfect in all realms. I guarantee mm -hmm. you, I, I screw up in that time and time again. I just differences. I just try, you know, right. you know, I reckon, I recognize my failures and my shortcomings as they happen. Maybe not always the most graciously, but you still <laughs> eventually that's what I like to say. You got to <sighs> go through the stages of getting butthurt, but if you know, you're going through the stages, you can go through them pretty quickly and get to the realization that, you know, it was just honest feedback. <laughs> oh yeah. And that's, and that's been something that, you know, I've had to learn how to separate a lot of times is, is that, you know, I get, you know, it's in, in, in the realm of relationships, whether it's in business or in life, you know, just, it's hard not to take some things personally because you feel mm -hmm. that, you know, whatever it is that you're being, you know, critiqued or criticized on is, is something that's very personal to you, you know, and sometimes it's like, you literally just have to sit back and go, mm, yep, nope, this is literally a, a business thing. Right. Don't take this personally. You know, it's, you think about it, it's like, you get that, you know, you need to talk to somebody and you go to talk to them and they are busy and they're like, Hey, not now. And mm -hmm. you're like, wow, they don't like me. What am I going right. to do? And it's like, literally like they are so entrenched in what they're doing that literally the only words they could muster was not now. It's not anything personal on you. Mm -hmm. It's that they got stuff going on. Now, if it's consistently when they're free and it's not now, eh, okay, that might be a little bit different. I agree. It's about communicating. And that's mm -hmm. what we talked about with Autonomous Angel was when you're at a 10, there's no way you can have a, a rational discussion. But if you're the one initiating it and you're at a 10, nobody has anywhere to go with that sometimes <laughs> except mm -hmm. to match you. And then I think that's where we get lost is in the communication. I had a friend and when we were upset, I had a wife that did the same thing. She did not like confrontation face to face, but if you sent a text, it could be worked out because it was mm -hmm. 
it took all the emotion out of it for those two. And so that's how communication worked there. But I've had other people that, like I said, there's people that want you to leave them alone. And then mm -hmm. there's people that are telling you they want you to leave them alone, but they really want you to follow them so they can listen to you. Because what it boils down to in any conversation, debate, or argument is wanting to be heard. And mm -hmm. so many people get lost on their point and they stay on a single point because they haven't felt that they've been heard on that point. And so mm -hmm. they just get louder and louder with it. And you can't go forward in the discussion. You can't fix point nine if you haven't addressed point seven, you know, right. that's tough. That's tough for people. But what I do is I pick people I trust like Jeffrey, Jeffrey could come at me with anything. And I would know that he's coming at me from love and not from like negativity. And I, so I surround myself with people I can trust their opinions you know even right. when they're mad if you know when somebody's mad and they're still staying within the rules of not trying to hurt you below the belt then you know that's somebody you can trust to for their opinion you know mm -hmm. yeah i Absolutely. mean i'm sure you and devi have discussions all the time you know but they're resolved eventually for me it's always like who is it more important to me or the other person you know Oh, absolutely. We, we have those every so often. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, Debbie and I have to, you know, talk by text. Sometimes it's like, we're shutting this conversation down. We're yeah, both right. going in circles. This is not working. This is not getting us anywhere. Yep. And, and sometimes it's just, you know, one person has an impassioned plea and the other just needs to sit there and listen. And so it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's entirely different for everybody and you just have to figure out what your communication style is and how it works with the other person that you're trying to communicate with. Right. It's because one of the things that people don't tend to think about is, is that, you know, you're going to come across people who have various communication barriers, whether it's visually, whether it's audibly, whether it's uh, mentally, whether it's emotionally. And you just because you are saying the words that you want to say, that doesn't mean you're communicating. And that's a right. weird concept to think about. That's a weird concept to think about because, you know, we think about it from ourselves. Well, I'm saying the things that I need to say. But if the person that you're trying to communicate with, cannot fully understand what you're trying to get at or what you're trying to say or what your needs are. Right. It's incumbent upon you to figure out how to adapt your, what you're trying to say to reach the other person. Yeah. And, and what I learned, what I learned was they just haven't learned how to communicate that way. You're speaking Japanese and they've learned Spanish, but eventually they'll learn how to communicate the way you're communicating. Once you compromise, like you're saying, so mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it comes down to like, we, we weren't all raised with like the nuclear family. Some of us just had family that wasn't there or family that communicated through anger or violence yeah, or family that went nuclear. <laughs> right. And so when you try and communicate with somebody that comes from that and you address them at a level 10, they only know how to communicate with anger and violence and they've never learned another way, but then that's their thing to fix they need to recognize that you need to recognize that together and that's the issue not what you're arguing about sometimes it's the terms in which you argue i had a mother-in-law and a father-in-law they would bicker all the time they would make fun of each other you know call each other out bicker back and forth but that's how that's what worked for them they didn't let it bottle up you know mm -hmm. other people i bottle things up because sometimes it's not a big deal. It's only a big deal to me. And if I suppress it a little bit, then it'll, 
normalize in my head and I'll be like, all right, that person wasn't trying to hurt me. So my level 10 was a trigger from the past, not something for the future, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So talking about arguments and beefs, I don't know if you know about this, but it has gone nuclear. And uh, apparently Joe Rogan is in a ring with Neil Young or Neil Young dragged Joe Rogan into the ring. And now Spotify mm-hmm. is like, wow, they've lost like $25 billion in the past three days over this 12%. Have you heard anything about this? Because I am yep. so confused. I, originally, I thought Joe Rogan said, "Get take Neil Young off. And that didn't make sense to me at all. And then no. I heard that Neil Young was just like, no, you get rid of Joe Rogan. And I was like, well, that's not fair either. And then I was like, well, Neil Young just left and didn't say to do anything. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that makes sense. So what's the real story here? Because I am going crazy. Jeffrey, a third of our listeners are from Spotify. And if everybody's Mm going to leave Spotify and it's going to be marked with the scarlet letter, that kind of sucks for us at Public Access America, the little people. Right. So Joe Rogan versus Neil Young versus Joni Mitchell versus, uh, I mean, actually there's, so there's a ton of people that are involved in this. Fighters, right? Tom there's, Huddy, there's, like... there's a, there's a lot of people that are actually involved with this right now. So here's what happened. Can I tell uh, Joe you Rogan, something? Can I what? tell you something real quick? We talked about this on the show and little Kevin was like, who's Neil Young? And I was like, oh my God. Like, oh, come on. Am I really oh, that old? Right. So, uh, so the, the story is, is, is that Joe Rogan had some guy on his show that is pretty much the message was very anti-vax, anti-science. Um, it wasn't good. I haven't, I have disclosure. I have not listened to the podcast. I have no idea what was said. Um, but it seems to be that there was some pretty clear messaging about, uh, the problem either is against vaccines and or vaccine mandates. And Neil Young said, look, Spotify, you're, you have somebody on here who's spreading deadly misinformation. And you can either keep them or you can keep my library, but you can't have both. And, and that sounds fair to me, actually. And, and so, you know, what ends up happening is Spotify then goes, okay, I guess we're turning your library over because, you know, Spotify was, they paid like a hundred million dollars to, uh, exclusively have Rogan's podcast. So Ah. the money they make off of Neil Young is nothing, you know, it's, it's very little. So they, uh, so after Neil Young said, you know, you can't have both. And then they started to take Neil Young stuff off a bunch of the older musicians uh, have started to come out of the woodwork and say, no, you're taking my stuff off too. Right. In which case, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, this is a tough, very, very, very tough subject. So let's start with, let's start with Jason. Do you, do you know what freedom of speech is? I do. That's what we're based on. So, so what is freedom of speech? I get to say whatever I want to say, as long as I don't endanger country or community, you know, and so does everybody else. (laughs) I don't know. So what, what people often think of when it comes to freedom of speech is, is this idea that I get to say whatever I want. 
However, we've had rulings uh, to the contrary that says, you know, for example, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Right. Um, you know, that's not freedom of speech, you know, or uh, you, you can't, you can't uh, say anti-Semitic things when there is a call to violence. Right. Um, specifically. You can't call to violence. Specifically, though, uh, what freedom of speech is, is that the government cannot censor you. Right, right. The government cannot tell you what you can and cannot say. And that in and of itself has been one of the biggest rows that we have seen because, you know, across many, uh, many countries, what you're seeing is the government applying pressure on the ability for people to find uh, anti-vax messaging. Now, Mm -hmm. corporations here in the United States have been applying that differently. And I say that because every every social media platform kind of has their own metric of what constitutes as dangerous. Oh yeah. And so, <clears throat> you know, you get Twitter who's banning uh, Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, you get YouTube pulling ads from candidates that are you know talking about the big mm-hmm. lie and anti-vax. Alex Jones and all that. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, you have a bunch of people screaming, hey, that's, you know, you're infringing upon my freedom of speech. And it's like, well, if you can make the case that the government is requiring people, requiring these uh, these institutions, these these corporations to take down this, then I would say, yes, you would have a case that, you know, the government is infringing upon your free speech. However, if a platform is blocking you from being a part of the platform because of what you're saying, that's not the government infringing upon your freedom of speech. Now I've gone rounds with several people about this and, and what people, you know, I'm implying a very conservative, a very, very, very conservative uh, application of freedom of speech. It's that the government cannot, you know, shut you down. They cannot tell you what you can and can't say. Right. So, is there, you know, is there any reality to the government being the ones that are trying to shut down what people are saying? Now, I, I know that a bunch of people are saying, well, the Biden administration, I mean, no, the Biden administration has been, you know, dumb enough to, you know, not help their own cause, but they're not out there actually calling for YouTube to take people down. They're not calling for well, Twitter. Biden to isn't a king, just like Trump shouldn't have been considered king. No one man should be able to fix everything or right. tell you that he can. So Joe Biden not fixing everything isn't always a Joe Biden fault. Right. And 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 that's the thing is, is that, you know, we have a very narrow ruling on what freedom of speech is for a reason. And, and I would argue that you know, if you want to keep something constitutionally conservative, then you have to leave in place what currently exists. And that yes. is, and that is that the government cannot restrict your speech. Because if you start applying that to companies and organizations, this is where it starts to get tricky. Because then if, uh, if a company cannot restrict your speech, that means that companies now have to host everything from, you know, neo-Nazis to communists <laughs> and, and, and they have to give them equal, I wouldn't say equal. They have to, they have to give them the airspace and apply, you know, whatever other metrics they have equally yeah. in terms of, of speech. Of course. I don't believe, now, in, now the, the I don't idea... believe we should hide things like Nazis or white supremacy. I just, 
I think it's up to the people on the platform to decide whether that's what they want to read. You know what I mean? And I think, I think it's up to the people, but I also think it's up to the organizations because, you know, let's be real honest. What, what, you know, what is it that you want your platform to be known for? You know, if you want your platform to be known for information, then, you know, you have to define what is information. That's true. This stuff isn't up on LinkedIn, right? Right. Exactly. Well, at least that we know of yet. I don't go on. Or if you want your, if you want your, uh, if you want your site to be uh, known for family-friendly entertainment, you know, obviously you're not going to be wanting to host, you know, the kids version of kill the Jews, you know, right. right. Or, or Westboro Baptist church, all faggots burn in hell, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have those things as a part of your platform. So by, you know, companies like Facebook and Google and YouTube restricting that kind of stuff, it allows them to curate the experience that they want you to have. Now, does that mean that they get it right? Oh, hell no. Are you kidding? But at the same time, they're, they are not restricting speech at the behest of the government. Right. Now, I guarantee you, like, like, and this is where I have to go. It's like, look at, you know, if you want an example of what that actually looks like, I would go to China and uh, their social media platform, WeChat. Like there are certain things that you you will you can try and type in, but it is immediately blocked. Like you can't say it, or if you find creative ways to say it, you might get a knock on the door. Right. As well then, as if you don't say the right thing, you can get in trouble. Like if you don't, there's the kids have a game that is government propaganda, and you have to spread it, or you're in penalty. You're not doing well enough. It's weird the way they control the media that so, way. So, and that's the thing is that people. People have this weird obsession with, you know, commies and Nazis that they don't actually understand. And there's, there's been a couple of interviews of people on the streets where they're saying things. And it's like, you realize these two ideas are diametrically opposed. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, you know, if, if your point is, is that you're living under, under an authoritarian regime, okay, we can work with that. But if your idea is, is that, you know, you have, you know, uh, people's control of the state and they say people's in quotes versus right. the state's controls of the state, you know, of, of industry of and, right. and the people, you know, it's like, okay. So if your issue is authoritarianism, Hey, I can work with that. I don't really enjoy authoritarianism either. Right. Uh, but but, but their the idea that their commies are Nazis are just wild. And their idea of what authoritarianism looks like is like, so fucking skewed it's like i you know this it's it's insane what people yeah they think they think it's just cutting the red tape one man getting everything done but that's not the way it is in in russia the people work for the state in the united states the state works for the people and theoretically ideally theoretically and, and so that's the thing people want they want a man that can cut the red tape like vladimir putin but they don't want the oppression that comes with them and that doesn't that's not how it works you well, know what it, i mean the thing is is that you know to put it to put it into perspective putin cuts the red tape while putting up a bunch of other tape around agreed you know? agreed and that's and that's the thing is is that everybody's focused on the tape that's being cut that they completely miss all of the other boundaries that are being set yeah you know here you know i'm all about cutting red tape you know because there's a lot of red tape out there that has been 
uh, you know, whether you want to call it CRT or whether you want to call mm-hmm. it just, you know, people in power trying to stay in power. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of red tape put in place to keep people from being able to move. Like, you know, it's just one of my memories that just popped up you know, last year at this time, we were talking about GameStop and the stock market. The, and, right. and, how, and you want to know what is funny about all of that. This is that, you know, in a place where people pride themselves on the idea of capitalism, ever, almost every senator started freaking out about the idea of a bunch of internet nerds fucking with the stock market right. because they figured out the game. And they immediately were talking about all the red tape that they were going to put up in order to, you know, you make sure that this didn't happen again. It's like, why? A bunch of people figured out how to make their own money using the same system that you did. It's just that they communicated on mass and you didn't like it because it became a fucking meme. Whereas, you know, what everybody's been pissed about is, you know, senators and house reps being able to manipulate the stock market based on, you know, their own, their own investments and their own needs. We watched throughout the pandemic as people would sell some set of stocks and buy other stocks. Then magically they're making a ton of fucking money. Yet when a bunch of internet nerds think fucking GameStop is hilarious, you get pissed. Really? Well, of course, because you like being the party until somebody else crashes it. And then everybody Mm. knows about the party and it's not a party anymore. Like 40% 40 of Congress trades stocks and there's no penalty for that. There's a $200 fine if you don't um, communicate with the ethics board if they ask you to. A $200 fine once. And Nancy Pelosi's against it. But there's a bill and it's growing with support to get people out of people in government or out of out of positions of power away from stocks which i agree with absolutely and And i want to say that's got a lot of bipartisan support for it too it does it's growing and like what i noticed was as soon as this new feature came up that says do not track me um snapchat stock went down 50 dollars. it was at 80 something now it's down at 20 something and that's my stock but you know what that's my tracking. That's my privacy. And I don't care losing that much money on, on my privacy. Cause I think that companies need to learn to find a way to work within the rules instead of creating new ways that rules haven't been made for. Cause I don't believe in making rules. I believe in self-governance because I don't want somebody coming in and averaging it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's certain things that are niches and enjoy that niche but when somebody comes and complains about like gab right i don't care white supremacists go and enjoy your gab fest i don't care keep it quiet so people don't regulate you because when it comes out that you're disgusting everybody's gonna want to knock you down (laughs) or as i like to call it the newest fbi watch list right that's exactly my point and so you shouldn't be if you want if you want better gun regulations do it yourself before somebody does it don't depend on donald trump and and joe biden to do this shit you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. it's not fair to them like joe biden's rating is at 33 percent, and i'm like it's because people want him to trim their toenails like their pizza was late it's joe biden's fault oh the gas cost more it's joe biden's fault oh i couldn't sleep last night it's joe biden's fault fuck you know what i mean like well, and, and I will say this, it's, you know, the Democrats have done pretty much nothing and have made themselves an easy target. The biggest thing that they've been able to get past is, you know, the infrastructure bill mm-hmm. and, now and the recovery act. 
And, you know, and now it's, you know, people trying to figure out how in the hell that's going to actually improve their daily life yeah, until you a know, bridge falls down in Pittsburgh and the president's there to go I mean, see. <laughs> I mean, that's fucking irony at its finest. Yeah. But you it's know, perfect. It worked until but, the conspiracies came out that he planned it. <laughs> well, of course. It's like, you know, it's like we have a bridge out here in Seattle that, you know, out of a, uh, out of a possible hundred points, it scored a fucking nine. I mean, it's like that bad. Right. And then we had a, we had a bridge that fell apart here. Like, was it a year and a half ago, a year ago? And they're finally getting that fixed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's just weird to me that like nothing is more than any other president has ever done, but the way the Democrats went about it just makes it feel like garbage. Like mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders saying, here's, here's an almost $7 trillion thing. That'll fix everything. Yay. And three, 3.5. We're at, we're going to get this. No 1.75. No. Well, we got something. <laughs> and it was like mm-hmm. the rescue plan helped a lot of people do a lot of things and mm-hmm. build back better. was going to institutionalize some of that stuff. He didn't get it all done, but he got a lot more done than Donald, Donald Trump did. Well, you know and what I, I mean, and, and here's the thing is, is like, everybody has like the, the idea that this was ever going to get through omnibus was just fucking hilarious to me right. to begin with. That's and, what I'm and, saying. And, That's the mistake of Democrats, you know? Absolutely. And here's the thing is, is that, you know, I've been trying to get people to recognize this. It's that, you know there are priorities out there that actually fit, you know, Republican bills, things that actually like are going to improve the things that they need. You know, infrastructure is a big one. And, and I, you know, Mitch McConnell was a big pusher for the infrastructure bill simply because, you know, he knew that Kentucky needed money. He didn't want to brag. He didn't want to lie about bragging about it. He wanted to actually brag about it. Right. And, and that was the thing is, is that, you know, there are some wins out there that Republicans and Democrats can actually get together and, and make those things happen. Heck yeah. But, but when you throw it all together, of course, one party's going to fucking object to it. You see it constantly. It's, it's, this isn't new. It's, it's that, you know, Hey, why don't we figure out? It's like, you know, build back better is a series of, you know, of votes on various topics, you know, and, you know, part one is infrastructure. Part two is, you know, uh, business part three is social part four is, you know, uh, climate, you know, right. This is when people were saying the green new deal is just too huge. That's what's, this is, it's the culmination of part of the green new deal that people were complaining about with other stuff. And Mitt Romney's, he wants, he wants affordable childcare. He has a bill that's more progressive than what's in build back better. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's ways around it, but working with, working with a party whose overarching directive is do not work with Democrats is the tough part. You need to peel them away, which reminds me of something Tucker Carlson did. There's an influential person of the week for me, somebody that showed me the stark differences in America. And it was Tucker Carlson saying, Mm -hmm. why should I care about Ukraine being invaded by Russia when I'm rooting for Russia? I think time stopped in that moment, Jeffrey. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think all Republicans considered what he just asked. And I think a certain portion are pivoting away and working with Democrats on this issue of Russia invading Ukraine. And that's a bigger thing because he made the stark difference. It's not this rhetoric about vaccines. It's are you with America or are you with Russia? And that difference, we can all get on board with Republicans and Democrats alike. We We should want to be against any invasion of any country anywhere. 
and that and 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 we need to make it clear that it's not just you know he, we we've got our own sins to learn from in this process too oh, heck yeah you know so yeah the you know that was a very stark sentence that right. i think woke up a lot of people i mean in is, that realm. is america perfect hell no is it better than russia hell yeah <laughs> nobody well, wants always. to be communist you know nobody i can't think of anybody that wants to be communist that isn't a part of the government system of communism well it's because you know in the words of george orwell uh some pigs are more equal than others right i love animal farm it's one of the few books i've read and reread it's mm. a it's a great it's a great book and a great look at what communism looks like and and i and i would argue that it's a great look at what any government in general looks like right. whether it's whether it's a capitalistic government whether it's a communist government you know whether mm -hmm. it's democratic socialism or pure socialist government yeah. like you look at the top the people at the top are more equal than the people at you know the it's the very bottom it's right. it's clear they have more access they have more opportunity and the question becomes you know are they do they are they more equal because they have more access because they're given that and why then cannot can the average person not be given that same access you know you think about it you know all of the fighting over health care and what do senators and house reps and presidents all get and justices yeah their okay. health care is completely paid for oh, oh yeah, never have to worry about it and and so you have all these people who have this thing saying nah the general public doesn't need it okay well fuck you you don't need it either well that's just what i think donald trump did was say we're going to get rid of the aca you're going to tell me what you want and everybody in america went i don't know and the people that did think about it ahead of time and said, make a healthcare a la carte, you know, those are the people that, that get, won the day, my friend. Yeah. He can get ACA insurance. You know what the cheapest is $600 for catastrophic, which means nothing else is covered other than cat catastrophic. That's horrible. That's not healthcare. Mike Quigley. <laughs> Sorry. No. But no, that, and, and like think the thing is, is we know what those people are going to plan. We know what they're going to do. The people you're talking about and the people down here, we aren't talking. They're keeping us so divided that we can't come up with something. So when they say, what do you want? We're like, okay, here's what I want. You know what I mean? Here's my list as a disabled person. Here's their list as a, a minority. Here's their list as a migrant. You know, we don't have that. They, they keep us in limbo worrying about all these little things when we never come up with an overarching plan to offer them mm -hmm. and and i one of the things that i think too is is that we have to we have to have the means uh to allow i would say the wealthier to invest in projects that are obviously going to benefit uh people like uh, i don't know if you I saw agree. this uh, but the Dallas Mavericks owner, Mark Cuban, has launched a generic phar pharmaceutical company that is taking some of these generics that have, you know, experienced, you know, catastrophic price increases and he's, right. you know, capping them, you know, at their at their possible cheapest. So he's like he's he's investing in uh, production and investing in creating something that will come to market and have an immediate effect you know and, and basically his line was is that you know he saw what pharma bro did to this one particular medication that was you know 35 dollars a bottle 
and then he made it 700. Right. And he's like, that, no, that's not right. And so now he has, he has started on that venture. And uh, I forget when he said that they're going to be offering the medications. I want to say it was like really soon, cool. but, but, you know, that's one way in which you can immediately affect, you know, people's lives. And, and we have to figure out ways in which I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say we punish people like, you know, pharma douche for trying to uh, jack up prices like that, but we give people ways to sit down and go, okay, yeah, I guess you can charge $700 for that, you know, bottle of life-saving medicine. Our company is not going to do that and you're going to go out of business. Bye. Exactly. I mean, Amazon, I think Mark Cuban's doing that because Amazon started the pharmaceutical deliveries, you know what yep. I mean? Which revolutionizes I mean, pharmaceuticals for someone like me that's shut in and can't go to the store to get them, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's, and I think it's, that's one of the more fantastic things. You know, I know Walmart's working on their own pharmacies, you know, uh, it's it, their own pharmaceuticals. And, and that's the thing is, is that, you know, as you've watched medications get unruly expensive, you know, what we have seen is, is that they're really the only methodology that has truly worked in keeping prices low has been that has been competition. And that competition is trying to compete with business for the federal government. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have a sole source that's buying your medication, it becomes incumbent upon you to actually, actually go out and request, you know, you know, give the best pricing to the federal government, but here we don't have that. So right. if, so if you can create this quote unquote third pathway of, you know what, we, we analyze what everybody's expenses are, you know, what everybody's paying across the world for this medication. And that's what we're going to offer as the, the ceiling. Right. Cause think about it. Like if, you know, for, for a country as rich as the United States, we should be see- what we should be seeing is is that the 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 cheapest price of medication of viable medication in the US should be the lowest price that we find across the world that should be the ceiling agreed but the thing is is like the d- generics were created because a drug company needed to recoup their research costs but then once they did that it became generic and that couldn't be the price of that wouldn't be raised. It was a generic price and there was a floor, but then somebody raised the floor. But like you said, never offers a ceiling. There's not, there's no bracket in America. It's always a new floor. <laughs> it's never right. a new ceiling. And that's, and that's, and that's the thing is, is that, you know, it, when it comes to data analysis in that realm is, is that, you know, that's what I looked at, you know, across multiple hospitals was, is that it's like, okay, here's the price of this drug across multiple hospitals. This is our ceiling right here. Right. And, it, and if this company wants to do business with all of these hospitals, this is the max they can charge. And let's, let's go from there. Right. I wish there was a max charge on things like MRI machines that have been paid for already, or, you know, all these uh, scans. Like, I think that's uh, where the real, the real rape happens in medicine. (laughs) Oh, well, I mean, well, if there was ever something. We're we're drifting into a field that wasn't planned. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's just us in general. If there was ever a real screw up of the ACA, it was taxing, you know, new uh, equipment, new medical equipment. 
like if your idea is is that you want to be able to provide more affordable care, raising the costs of the things that are going to provide more affordable care does not lend to more affordable care. It'll, it keeps prices artificially high because you're trying to figure out how to pay for something that shouldn't be paid from through the system that you're trying to you're literally just saying, okay, we're going to make your cost quote unquote cheaper by raising prices over here in the same system. That doesn't make right. any sense. Right. <clears throat> no company, so, no company is obligated to take a loss. Like nowhere in the world. Well, nowhere in the United States is a company obligated to take a loss, you know? <laughs> and, and that's, and that's where the basic failings of economics come in is, is that everybody thinks, Oh, well, this company's going to have to do this, that, and the other. And hooray, it's going to. No, it's not. Those those taxes that they're going to pay are going to get passed on to you. You're, and every single time that it happens, they all get the same surprised Pikachu face. Like, yeah. oh, my God, I can't believe that my costs went up. It's like they're passing this stuff on. There is no obligation for them to pass on, you know, for them to take a loss. There right. is none. Because what happens if they take a loss? They're going out of business, period. So they're going to recuperate their costs. Now, you could talk about what you're, you could have the conversation of what is a maximum profit level. You could have that conversation. But there again, you know, the question, is, you know, for any business is if you're stuck at a maximum profit level, then you're only ever going to offer one service. That just means there's going to be the money's going to squeeze out in other areas. Okay, so we can only have this much profit. So we'll invest it over here in this shell company in the Cayman Islands, or it just it eliminates the possibility of that money going actually anywhere around mm -hmm. America to make a difference, you know? And it, I got Jeffrey, there is democratic trolls. Now, I don't know if they're just weird trolls that troll the troll or if they're republican mega trolls that realize nobody's listening to them but there's trolls and i had a comment on ilhan omar's post that said if you're going to offer medicare for all you need to reform medicare first and people were like it is read the bill read the bill read the bill and it dawned on me there was about five trolls that put a link in there and then were forcing me to click on it and i wouldn't you know, and they were ableist as fuck. I was like, I can't read the bill. I have macular degeneration, but thank you for the information. And they were just like, well, get off your cross. And I was like, you're not Democrats. Like Democrats don't fight like that. You know, <laughs> that's a special brand. Like, I don't even think like conservative Republicans do that. I think the trolls or the people that want to be trolls, like the Russian farm trolls or the, the troll um, farm, yeah, or whatever. I don't know what where they're from. They could be a, a 400 pound guy in his bed. It doesn't really matter to me. They're all trying to emulate the same thing. And it's to get you to go to a link. And I don't like that at all. But mm -mm. Il Ilhan Omar has a bill to reform Medicare and good, good, good. Good. I'm glad she does. She didn't mention it in her tweet and I didn't know it existed. Somebody told me it did. I'm happy to read it eventually, but I wasn't going to read it just because I got pushed that way. And I had a lot of support too, by the way, on my mm -hmm. reform it, because like I'm saying, there's things that Medicare just has automatically to lower costs that they wouldn't need to do if they were the sole proprietor, like you mm -hmm. said, negotiating, they wouldn't restrict me to one test strip a day to save costs if they were the sole proprietor and could negotiate the price of test strips down to a level where I could take three a day. So that's mm -hmm. what we need to do. I'm not saying abolish Medicare and I'm not saying like bloat it up. What I'm saying is reform it, getting running, tune up the engine, put in the new spark plugs, change your filters, and then go for gold. <laughs> yep.
Because that's the thing is, is like, you know, when it comes to any other government provision, it's like, you know, they have a very specific level of cost that they're required to meet. And they have mm-hmm. very specific industries that meet those costs. And so the idea that, you know, Medicare can't be the sole negotiator of, of those costs. I mean, it just needs to be a bill in Senate. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And so it's unfortunately it's it's going to be one of those things where you know you're going to see a lot of fighting over medicare and and honestly like the number of people i see that you know are supporting medicare for all right now i'm like man you don't know anybody on medicare do you exactly well it's a simple it's it's the simple conspiracy theory rhetoric you told me this i think that republicans will will fall for a political conspiracy whereas democrats will fall for more of a social justice conspiracy Mm -hmm. and so Defund the police, <clears throat> Medicare for all. These are easy things that simple people can jump on, but they never have any realization that someday they may be on it themselves. Exactly. I mean, what's the <clears throat> VA for? What the fuck is the VA for? It, it It's for substandard care for a subsection of our country. We could just make Medicare V plan and fold that fucking billion dollars into a Medicare for all system. Nobody wants that though. No, don't do that to our don't do that to our veterans. What give them better health care? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And 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 on top of that, then you have now you have two separate groups of people who are now getting better negotiated pricing. Right. In in terms of all of their services. So and the last VA building to be built was built in 1940s. Like they have not increased their infrastructure, even though they've increased their budget for managemental expenses, but they've never let it trickle down into infrastructure. So let's, let's fold that into Medicare for all. Let's do that. You know what I mean? I like that. Let's give homeless people healthcare and call it fucking H. I don't care what we call it, but let's get people insured, you know? Public Access America. It's always funny because, like, especially because as you know, libertarians, we get a ton of shit, even amongst other libertarians. I think political philosophy is a lot like religion, and where there's moments you have to go on faith and trust what somebody else is saying. The main, the main focus is it's like less dependence on the government because, well, we've seen how that's gone, and you don't have to do that if you think about it in a human way. You know, more dependence on connections with each other. But you can always bring it back to what would one human do for another? What would a hundred do for a hundred? People looking out for people. Find Public Access America anywhere you find your favorite podcast every Sunday and Thursday. And join the chat on YouTube at Public Access America every Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Communities looking out for community. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. In the making. In the making. I mean, that would be, <clears throat> that would be the ideal is, is that, you know, like we've talked about many times, you know, there's a lot of things that could be addressed, you know, and addressed early. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we would rather wait until the fucking engine falls out and then be like, well, what if I change the oil? Right. With the fucking like, engine laying on the ground. I was talking in during that autonomous angel thing, Adam said something. I love you, Adam, but I think we have a fundamental certain disagreement. And I think I figured it out on the toilet today. He doesn't like homeless people because he had a bad experience with the situation that homeless people leave. I don't like homelessness. I don't like the mess that homelessness leaves. I don't blame the homeless 
for homelessness. I think he does. And I think that's an issue with a lot of things. I don't know I mean, how I got there, but we need <clears throat> to stop blaming the people involved in like, we, we need to stop blaming the mentally ill for not having an outlet for recovery and then reacting because of their mental illness. Like Dan Savage said, pedophiles are only pedophiles when they can't find a resource to not be a pedophile. And so denying them those resources just creates more pedophiles. Denying that it's homelessness and not homeless just denies the fact that homelessness is the problem. Well, and, and that's one of those things like, you know, at a certain point, then you get to the chicken and the egg discussion, you know, what's, what's, what is keeping somebody homeless? Is it the fact that they don't have a, a home or is it the fact that they're doing things that would make them homeless? And, uh, and you can sit there and go around in circles. And I think that's where most people sit is, is that, you know, it's, well, it's the fact that they don't have, you got people that go, oh, it's the fact that they don't have a home. And so that's why they're doing all of these things. And you got another group of people going, well, it's do it's them doing all of these things. And that's why they're homeless. It's like, okay, so you're going to sit there and do this and run around in a circle with each other until right. you go, how do you break that? How do you stop this from being a cycle? Right. And the answer the answer is not an easy one because it's not systemic it's individual because well well here's the thing is is that if you supply someone with just a home just somewhere where they can live that doesn't get them out of the things that they're doing that would make them homeless right. and if you just treat the person for whatever the causes you know like whatever is going on that's keeping them homeless that doesn't give them the access to a home because you know, there, there are several factors out there. It's like, you have to treat this in tandem, right? Like you have to, you have to give somebody the space to live sheltered and you have to give them the resources that would, you know, keep them from slipping back into the things that create homelessness. It's not, it's not one or the other. It has to be both because, right. Because we, we all know people that have homes and they're trash because they're, you know, in the throes of whatever right. but we also know people who are homeless that are trying to get on their feet and they can't because they don't have the the roof over the head they don't have the physical address they don't have the access to things like regular regular hygiene in right. order to keep themselves presentable for their job and so you can sit there and blame one or the other very easily and do absolutely nothing <laughs> and that's and that's where people get frustrated and so it's like, I can see both perspectives because I've been at both sides of this. I've been the, well, they're just doing, they're just doing stupid shit and that's why they're homeless. And then you're like, and then I was like, wait, well, if you don't have an address, you can't get a job. And if you can't get a job, you're going to be homeless. Right. And then it's like, well, no, you have to solve this problem in tandem. It's not one or the other. It's both. And, and if you don't just dig in on that. You're just literally chasing your fucking tail. <laughs> right. But think about how a homeless person gets your attention to address homelessness. He shits on your sidewalk. You know what I mean? He becomes a nuisance. He becomes a problem because desperately he wants you to come up with a solution. The problem is a government funds 
um, organizations to address homelessness and they all fall into a niche. We're going to help the homeless women. That's good. We're going to home, we're going to house teenagers. That's good. But what it does is it just creates a normalcy of homelessness. You're, you're, you're falling into a system. You're not really addressing it. You're just housing them, you know? And sometimes a teenager that's getting beat on by her dad or sexually abused by her dad would choose homelessness over the housing that they have, you right. know, and not all the time, just because somebody has a roof over their head, that doesn't mean they're not homeless. Like you said, somebody renting a room is only dependent on the money they're making that week to be housed. That doesn't mean you have a home, you know, mm-hmm. and there's, and you need to tackle that individually. I'm sorry. I'll wrap no, up. You, you need to, you need to talk to mm-hmm. one person and say, why are you homeless? I, we got foreclosed on in this economy. Okay. Well, let's work you towards that. You, you could fundamentally do something. You, you have an education and a career. You fell through a crack. Let's pick you up. But then there's going to be that guy. Why are you homeless? And he's going to be like, blah, 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 blah. And shit on your foot. That person needs separate help, but they prefer homelessness. You know what I mean? And once it's down to that group, we can battle that group, but that teenager shouldn't fall into the guy shitting on the sidewalk that family shouldn't fall into the same um demographic as that that yeah. guy you know and that's what I mean? and and that's the reality is is that you know you need the housing and then you need the help and they have to work in tandem great let's have organizations that are you know you have a you have a housing segment for kids and you have somebody who comes in and works with them individually right. and gets them caught up to where, you know, maybe they're finally getting their GED or they're finally going to, you know, have, you know, stable housing until they find a, you know, a reliable system. I mean, let's, let's be real honest, even like in the foster care system, not only is right. it, not only are availabilities few and far between, but a lot of them are less than ideal. <laughs> Right. And, and that's the same with for-profit incarceration. These are three demographics that just need individual help. And these <clears> organizations <throat> wait for these people mm-hmm. to fall to them instead of going to the people. And that's a problem for me. You have these people that are homeless. You know where they are. You have these people that are in a foster system. You know where they are. You can help them at the point that they're at. You shouldn't be expecting somebody to travel your your county looking for an empty bed. You know what right. I mean? That's not somebody, something a homeless person can do, but you can go out into the homeless community and say, Hey, we have 10 beds. We have nine beds and get those people where they need to be and then get right. them back to where they were. You know what right. I mean? And that's, and that's, and that's the real answer is, is that, you know, you, when you have the space that is going to be it's temporary, but it's permanent enough that somebody's mm-hmm. going to be able to get on their feet and, and, and work on the issues that they have, that they need to, they know that they're not going to be trying to hopefully make the shelter bed in time or that, you know, the, the resource that's helping them deal with mental health, drug addiction, um, or, you know, even just the fact that they fell on a hard fucking time, you know, it, there's, there's so much, there's so much there that, you know, if you have consistent access to those things, people are going to be able to build themselves out of homelessness. The problem is, is that the way that the system currently works doesn't do that. And there is more benefit to the system in keeping people on the system and homeless than there is to them actually addressing these issues. And until that metric changes, 
for the system, i.e. we start punishing our system by, for not addressing these problems, right? we're going to consistently see them and we're not going to see the solutions that we've been asking and demanding for, or, you know, we're going to, or if we keep continually rewarding half-assed efforts. Right. I mean, uh, Washington state offers vouchers for homeless veterans. They can give that voucher to anyone that has an apartment and they'll take it. The problem is, is how is that veteran supposed to know where that voucher is, right? How is he supposed to going to get across town to get it? And then how does he get it the next month and the next month? You're not bringing it to him and he has no way of registering for it, right? And it's like, we offer it. Oh, yay. We feel good. And I see that happen. That happened with the stimulus here. Here's $5 trillion for people to stay in their apartments. Oh, but we're making it impossible for you to apply for it. Oh, nobody used it. We're going to dump it into something else. And it's mm-hmm. this cycle of, oh, we're helping, but not really helping. You know? exactly. We're here on an island. Come to us, you know? Exactly. And and that's and that's been the answers is that, you know, you're relying on a bunch of people who have uh, uh, an incredible lack of access to yeah. information about the services that they need. And all you're doing is saying, look, we have the services, but nobody's coming to us. Right. Yeah, that's the problem is, is that you're expecting people to come to you. And so what you end up doing is you end up taking those, the, that money and you end up investing in elsewhere. That's not actually addressing the initial issue that that money was collected for. And I think that's why right. people, that's why taxpayers get so frustrated is, is that they, they're, they're seeing that the money that has taken from them is not impacting the thing that they were told that it would impact. And the, you know, the system itself is making damn sure that they're not going out of their way to actually address the problem. Right. And the other thing is that I learned was that Autonomous Angel, when she became homeless, she didn't have the family system to fall back on. Like there isn't, we don't all have that safety net. I think I started with this and I'm going to end on on this conversation on that. We don't have family to fall back on because our family didn't have family to fall back on because they didn't have the resources to better themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And in the Southern states, that's a largely harder thing for a minority. You know what I mean? Just, mm-hmm. it, it's a tough thing. And so, but there's 560,000 homeless people in the U S today. I just don't see that as being a problem. If 350 pe- million people figured that if we just came to them and gave them a blanket and fucking listened to them and then help them solve their problems, like if Uber just picked up homeless people and drove them to the place that they needed to be like just, i don't know how to connect people with the services with the people that need the services but that, that's the issue i think and i'm glad we figured that out mm-hmm. i did not expect to talk about homelessness did you have <laughs> anything to say on the spotify issue <laughs> well uh i mean like anything else um you have you have your own agency to decide what you throw your money at whether that's by you know, pay, you know, buying a musician's album and storing it on your phone or by, you know, having a monthly subscription to Spotify, like everything else, you have to decide what falls within your set of values. And if Spotify, you know, hosting somebody who's allowing anti, you know, vax and anti-science uh, talk to be prolifer- pro- proliferated on their platform, 
that's up to you whether or not you want to spend the money on that. That is entirely yours. I will say that I don't know that there's necessarily a streamer out there that's going to offer a better solution because let's face it, you know, Apple has Joe Rogan. Um, I believe, uh, I know that YouTube has Joe Rogan on it. It's not that you can't find it. It's, that's still there do you think google is better than apple is better than whoever has spotify like i I don't apple uses slave labor for their products like i don't know like google is google they're the surveillance state like i don't know you know what i mean and that's the reality is is that when you look at each of these when you look at each of these platforms you're not necessarily getting a better answer between any single one of them. You're just getting a different answer. And so the question is, you know, is the platform that you're spending your money on worthy of you spending your money on them? And that's, that's an individual discussion uh, that you have to have with yourself and you have to reckon with, with the answer to that. So whether or not you choose to continue to, you know, have Spotify, whether or not you decide it's, you're going to get something else that's entirely up to you but mm-hmm. i will say the same process that you're using to diminish joe rogan is the same process that's diminishing the counterpoint to joe rogan and that's us like you might be trying to get <clears throat> fewer people to listen to joe rogan but in the process the people there's the counterpoints that are on Spotify to Joe Rogan are also being diminished at disproportionately because we have fewer listeners. So you're going to end up, you might get rid of a million listeners from Joe Rogan, but that's going to eliminate our million and it's just going to hurt the cause. And mm-hmm. Spotify knows this, you know, so do what you want, but you're hurting a lot of, and Neil Young, I, you know, it seems like two people are getting attention Neil Young is going to have a record profit this year. Joe Rogan is going to have a record listenership this year, but all millions of small artists, bands, podcasters, entertainers, they're going to be hurt really bad by this. And that's what I feel. That's who I feel. for. Yep. Thank you for listening to Public Access America. We will be back Sunday. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek security we support you yes we can and to all those who have wondered if america's beacon still burns as bright tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth but from the enduring power of our ideals democracy liberty opportunity and unyielding hope let me tell you something you already know the world ain't all sunshine and rainbow Nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, you nobody, is gonna hit as hard as life. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. I, poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome, welcome to Public Public Access Access America. America. Yes, we can. 
Sunday live stream time YouTube. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Radio Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.